I'm Ronnie Dattle with the Dattle Farms in Riesel, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, farm bill hearings will be getting underway next month. We got that word from the ranking Republican on the Senate Agriculture Committee at the recent Texas Ag Forum in Lubbock. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As sorghum farmers in the Texas High Plains look ahead to the new growing season, some new resources are available to them. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As the Russian invasion of Ukraine continues, we will take a look at the magnitude of Ukrainian agriculture on the world stage. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. Corn planting time has arrived. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Wake Up. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Senate Agriculture Committee will begin holding field hearings on the 2023 Farm Bill in April. That's the word from the ranking Republican on the committee, Senator John Bozeman of Arkansas. I visited with uh, Chairwoman Stabenow. We have agreed now to turn to the Farm Bill. Uh, We're going to start having open hearings in that regard. We'll be out and about uh, the country together during farms and then also bringing the stakeholders to Washington. And this is so important. You know, the Farm Bill is certainly not a one-size-fits-all. It's taking care of all of the commodities, the different commodities, and then also taking care of all of the regions of the country. Bozeman spoke at the Texas Ag Forum last weekend in Lubbock. He says the first hearing will be held in Michigan with other locations to follow. It seems there's no stopping the wheat market this week thanks to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Soft wheat prices have now topped $12 a bushel this week with hard wheat prices above $11. Wes Beal with Equity Exchange in Perryton says it's simply chaos in the markets right now. Lots and lots and lots and lots of chaos and questions on where we're at. The common question I've had for the last week is where's the top? Everybody wants to know where we're going to, and I don't think anybody knows. I've seen a couple of marketing advisors publishing data talking about they thought of a certain area, but I think they're fooling themselves that they think they're picking an area because there's so many questions on what's going on. Beal says that Black Sea area of the world produces so much grain, and that's what has the markets worried. Between Ukraine and Russia, they're the number two and number four exporters of wheat in the world. So if you shut that down, because 80, 90 percent of what both countries export all comes through the Black Sea, there's a little bitty canal that goes through Istanbul there in Turkey that everything has to come through. 
So there are so many ways to be able to shut off a fairly major flow of grain. And when you combine that with drought in South America and here in the western U.S., it's a perfect storm that pushes wheat prices higher and higher. The number of cattle in Texas feedlots is higher than a year ago, but placements have slowed down. The total number of cattle and calves on feed in Texas feedlots in January was 2.94 million head. That's up 1% from a year ago. Producers placed 390,000 head into the feedlots during January. That's down 4% from a year ago. Feeders marketed 355,000 head during January, up 1% from 2021. There are some new products available to help Texas High Plains sorghum growers. James Hunt has the details from Amarillo. As we discussed in our last report, there should be a good supply of seed available for area sorghum growers this year. And Dr. Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says there are some new products out there. You know, the seed companies, uh, really the last few years, have been doing a good job of coming out with new hybrids. Especially about two years ago, we kind of had a flush of, of new hybrids on the market that certainly were, I think were better than some of the old ones. And we're seeing those varieties being planted on, on more acres all the time. And I think that's certainly been a good thing. Most of the new hybrids now that do come out do have sugarcane apatolin, so that's a good thing. There are several hybrids now in the solid sorghum that are now sugarcane apatolin. And we really haven't had any choices for the solid sorghums for sugarcane apatolin hybrids, but we've got a few more now. And so that's something people might want to look at if they're going solid sorghum. Of course, as we've talked about previously, pesticide options for fighting the aphid have also grown in recent years. As for weed control, Dr. Bean says the Imiflex herbicide product for use with eye growth sorghum appears to have done well. That technology was actually released last year. Quite a few growers got to try it, and I suspect there'll be more this year that will try it because it is effective, especially on grass. And the range of products to help with grass control is growing with something new under the Sorghum Partners brand. They have a technology called Double Team Sorghum uses a different class of herbicide. The herbicide that's used for this particular technology is called First Act, uh, sowed by Adama. And it's specifically just for grass. In fact, it has no broadleaf activity at all. But it has a, that herbicide has a proven record for grass control. Once again, that was Dr. Brent Bean with the Sorghum Checkoff. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This past week has made everyone aware of just how important Russia and Ukraine are to the world grain trade. Tom Nicoletti has more. Dr. Darren Hudson is my guest again today. Dr. Hudson is director of the International Center for Agricultural Competitiveness at Texas Tech University. He offers insight into Ukraine's agriculture as the Russian offensive continues in this European country. Ukraine is the world's fourth largest exporter of barley and corn. It's the fifth largest exporter of wheat. They also produce a lot of sunflowers and soybeans in that country. Uh, Talk about their agricultural production and and what it means to the world and uh, feeding the world. Great points when, when, when you talk about the, the magnitude of their production and raw commodities like corn and beans and wheat and barley are obvious players there, but also the derivatives of that. They're large vegetable oil exporters. And in large part, areas in the Middle East are heavily dependent on Ukrainian exports of food grains and oils. That's going to complicate the food situation in parts of the world that aren't accustomed to buying from other markets. Inside of Ukraine, 
it all depends on how this plays out. It's a very fluid situation. We don't know exactly what's going on. The Russians are largely in control of the seaports, so normal commerce can't commence. There are reports of shipping vessels that have been attacked by the Russian Navy, so captains are shying away from you know operating in that Black Sea region you know for fear of loss of their ships. As this stretches on, of course, it complicates the potential for production in Ukraine in this year. And so it's going to prevent planting. Those comments from Dr. Darren Hudson in Lubbock. He is director of the International Center for Agricultural Competitiveness at Texas Tech University. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The corn planters are rolling in central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. In central Texas, once we get to about February 1st, Corn farmers in Central Texas are itching to get into fields and plant corn. They have prepared. Their corn planter is ready, equipment's ready, seed acquired, all systems are go. The only wait is on the environmental conditions to present a favorable planting environment. First condition is the soil temperature. Corn needs at least two, a two-day window, a 48-hour window, I should say, when the soil temperature at planting depth does not drop below. 50 degrees. This year, we've only had two days that provided that type of environment. Uh, in one condition, it was extremely dry, and on the other, we were actually wet. The second major condition, of course, is going to be soil moisture. Just like most of the South, we've been dry. Uh, recently, we have received some moisture here in Central Texas, and it's enough to get corn to germinate. Uh, with upcoming weather forecasts calling for wet days and cold nights, we will not receive the heating units that we really need to warm up the soil enough for any extended time. It may warm up enough during the day, but those 28, 32 degree forecasted nights will drop that soil temperature somewhat. As soon as corn is finished planting here, we will switch over to grain sorghum and get that in the ground. Uh, Date-wise, it is time to be planting corn and grain sorghum. However, uh, it varies from year to year, just depending on the environmental conditions. And we just gotta wait for that to, to be the, as best as we think it can be to get our crops off to a good start. Wheat has rebounded from the dry fall and winter. It does show some evidence about growing the cold damage that we received. There was some tiller damage from the cold weather. Uh, it, we just been putting out new tillers. I think we're gonna outgrow it. Uh, only time will tell. Now our oat fields in Central Texas were damaged from cold weather and a lot of them aren't rebounding. Uh, some of them just won't be able to recover. Livestock still continue to consume uh, more hay than we would expect just because there's little grazing out in pastures. Uh, we still got a decent hay supply here in Central Texas just because we cut so much of that last year that was really overmature. But we still got the stocks of it. Uh, Price is a little bit higher than normal, uh, but nothing uh, incredibly uh, outrageous right now. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McCullough from Waco. There are a few factors that led to hunting-related incidents in Texas last year. I'm Jessica Dolmolt, and we'll discuss those coming up on Texas Ag Today. And fetal loss is a major concern in the beef and dairy cattle business. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash. Like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. 
The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions, and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Fetal loss is a major concern in the beef and dairy cattle business. Dr. Bob Judd says checking the viability of the fetus is important. Dr. Andrea Lear from Tennessee indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that fetal viability is a combination of two things. First is how the baby is doing during the pregnancy, and secondly, the likelihood the baby will survive outside the uterus. A study was performed two years ago and found that the rate of embryonic death and fetal mortality in U.S. beef cattle was 5.8%, which is less than the 10 to 20% reported in dairy cattle. Any pregnant animal that has undergone a stress such as transport or suffering from a disease could be susceptible to losing the fetus. Also, any animal that is pregnant due to in vitro fertilization or other alternative methods of fertility are more likely to suffer challenges. These embryos are also more valuable due to the difficulty in establishing the pregnancy. So these are animals you certainly would like to observe closely for signs of problems. Although checking progesterone levels of the cow is available, it is not very effective in determining the health of the fetus. Rectal exam is used to evaluate the fetus, but ultrasound is much more accurate as you can examine the baby's heart rate, volume of fetal fluids, and the placenta. The fetal heart rate normally decreases from almost 200 beats per minute at two months of gestation to just over 100 beats per minute before calving. There is a test for pregnancy-associated glycoproteins, and the higher the level, the healthier the pregnancy and the lower the number, the more likelihood of impending death of the fetus. Clone calves typically have higher values of pregnancy-associated glycoproteins as they usually have a larger placental area compared to regular calves. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are a few factors that led to hunting-related incidents in Texas last year. Jessica Domel takes a look at some of those factors in today's Wildlife Report. Hunting-related accidents hit a new record low in 2021 at one fatality and 11 incidents. Those incidents were highly preventable through proper training, according to a new report from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Steve Hall, TPWD's Hunter Education Coordinator, says swinging a gun outside the safe zone of fire led to 75% of hunting-related accidents last year. He said there were also relatively new safety issues that led to some of those accidents. Two of them were kind of new phenomenon, and those were hog hunting incidents at night. Those were also swinging on game outside of a safe zone of fire, but they were actually shooting at running hogs with their night vision scopes, and, and essentially they struck a bullet into their partner that was standing nearby because of, number one, shooting at a moving target, and number two, the limited visibility or awareness that they had of their partner being in the line of fire when they swung their rifle, in this case, shooting at hogs. Most of the incidents seen from 2017 to 2021 were due to hunter judgment errors or carelessness. Many occurred toward dusk. 
fatigue is a factor in a lot of hunting incidences across North America. It shows that 5 to 7 p.m., there really are quite a higher number of incidences that occur. In Texas, hunter education is required for hunters born on or after September 2nd, 1971. The minimum age for certification is nine, and certification is good for life. Since 1972, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has certified nearly 1.5 million people with hunter education. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Friday was another day of higher grain prices and lower cattle prices. We'll take a look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, I know it sounds like a broken record, but it was the same story all week long, and that was definitely the case on Friday. The Russia-Ukraine war caused grain prices to jump higher, and that in turn pushed cattle prices lower. We were lower across the board in the cattle complex on Friday with April live cattle down 257, 135.77, June down 262 at 132.52, while August live cattle dropped a dollar 50 to close at 134.15. March feeder cattle down 322, closing at 153.12. April feeders down 327, 157.25, with May feeder cattle down 315, 162.35. Cash-fed cattle trade last week saw most of our cattle selling at 140 on a live basis here in the south. That's two dollars lower compared to the previous week. Up north, we saw dress cattle sell for 225. That's two bucks lower as well. Boxed beef prices lower on Friday. Choice down 38 cents at 253.67. Select down 84 at 246.95. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Sheep and goat sale that we had in San Angelo this last Tuesday. My friend Benny Cox is the ramrod. Benny Cox, uh, how many of those woolly things did you end up selling? 
We like seven heads selling exactly what we sold last week. Really? We had 5503. We had a set of wool lambs. They were Springer lambs off some wheat. He sent a, another 350 of those lambs yesterday. They were 10 to $15 higher than what they were last week. Real good flesh. Uh, Suffolk Rambouillet cross lambs, really nice. On our uh, slaughter hair sheep, 10 to $15 higher. Most of that increase was on some of those heavier fleshier lambs. Our slaughter used, it was really good yesterday. They were 5 to $10 higher. Kid goats, uh, 10 to 20 higher. I'll tell you, we had a lot better class of goats uh, yesterday than we've been seeing. Slaughter nannies, they were real hot. They, they bring from, oh, anywhere from 180 to 250 but mostly 220 to 242 These slaughter bellies, anywhere from $2 to 260 On the wool feeder lamb types that we had, they sell anywhere from 308 all the way up to 362 Most of those bigger lambs that I was talking about in that one big group, they sell in the range from 311 On some of those that weighed up around 100 all the way up to 350 oh, around 350 346 I believe, on some 80-pounders. Uh, the uh, hair sheep type, the, the lighter end of those, sell in the range from 330 all the way to 404 uh, with the heavy weights from 250 all the way to to 380 on the slaughter use. They sell from 170 to 208, but mostly 170 to 190. Kid goats in a range from 340 to 466, mostly 423 to 436, with some of those lighter feeders all the way up to 49. Benny, tell everybody how to contact you. They call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371. They can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyles.com. We appreciate you. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Uh-huh. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs finished sharply lower on Friday. April hogs down four seventy-five to close at one hundred dollars forty-five cents, while May hogs were down four seventy-five at one hundred five seventy-five. Class three milk closed higher. March milk up thirteen cents, twenty-two fifty-six a hundredweight. April milk up twenty-five at twenty-three sixty-nine. Well, the cotton market just can't quite wrap its arms around this Russia-Ukraine conflict. One day we're sharply higher, the next day we're sharply lower. Well, as we ended up the week on Friday, it was one of those sharply lower days. May cotton dropped 338 points Friday, closing at 116.42. The October down 102 points, 104.31, while December was down 93 points at $1.65. The corn market hit limit up at one point during the trading session on Friday. We backed off of that on the close, especially on the old crop contracts. They were only slightly higher. New crop corn, however, took a big jump. March corn up five and a quarter, 756 and a half. But that new crop September was up 29 and three quarters to close at 661 and a half. The wheat market hit limit up four days in a row over the last week. Friday was no exception. We had at least one contract hitting limit up. We backed off a bit toward the close, but still another day of sharply higher prices. Kansas City hard red winter wheat sharply higher with new crop July up 41 and a half, 1174 and a half. Soft Chicago wheat finished sharply higher also. One note here, the nearby March Chicago wheat contract hit an all-time high. It was up 59 cents, thirteen forty-eight a barrel. Never seen wheat prices that high in history. The new crop July soft wheat contract up 59 to close at 11.75 and a quarter. In the energy markets, April natural gas was up 26 cents Friday at 4.98, April crude oil up 7.70 at 115.37 a barrel. The financial markets lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 373 points at 33,453. The NASDAQ down 278 at 13,259, while the S&P was down 53 
4309 That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.